when the sound begins. And the voice starts in. The cool and calm voice of reason. And the hush and shush of white and pink noise fluctuate. Blue and brown noise fluctuate. Almost circadian in rhythm. Almost brownian in motion. And imagine a grid upon your floor. X and Y axis crisscrossing. And imagine taking a step. Plus one or minus one in any direction. And again, in any direction. And again. And again. And again. And continue randomly stepping in some direction. A stochastic model. A drunkard's walk. A random process. You the stochastic agent. You the molecule jouncingly moving through the air. You the animal forging along a path. You the fluctuating stock price and the financial market heaving this and that, with a sound beyond our voice, only intermittently popping in and out of your awareness from the deep underhem of your unified conscious field, a single thread dangling out of the hole, announcing itself now, like that feeling of your shirt upon your skin, or your shoes upon your feet, and are now only reminded to feel it upon your skin, or them upon your feet, or background sound upon your ears, impinging upon your senses by our cool, calm voice of reason. And remember, lines on grids on grounds are real if you think they are. Like money, and art, and politics. This imaginary stochastic walk was brought to you by the underwriters of this broadcast, the vast and open wasteland for which you are, in fact, expanding into, regardless of what you believe to be the case or anything calling itself the cool, calm voice of reason is telling you, and there is nothing you can do about it but resign quietly to it. At least, that is what some will tell you. That is what we are telling you. Whose facts are to be believed is entirely up to you, if it is not your facts you believe. And by fax machines. Faxing facts from here to there for over 38 years, the last 16 years notwithstanding. And by art. Hey, it's pretty cool. And the fact that we have been paid by art itself to say this doesn't make it any less true. Art. And a woman still stands in a field of swaying feather pink pompous grass. Almost entirely lost now in the heady project of memory, rehearsing over and over and over the manifold times when she herself stood there at various moments throughout her life and is now attempting to, as accurately as possible, recapture what occurred in subtly shifting ways, stochastically deviating with imagination and false memories by only the smallest fraction. And in fact, the rehearsal process of all these memories is to tighten the laces, so to speak, on the accuracy of her recollections. The long, crooked green leaves stroke her bare legs, and she feels the downy tickle, 
when she feels it at all, because she only intermittently pops in and out of that level of perception, almost more as a hand caressing her, welcoming her, telling her it's all over, and she will finally And just outside of her field of vision, she doesn't apprehend in any way the turbid movement, though it's there now, converging in undulating high and low tides through the dense tussocks, gaping and compacting in a hitherto now foreign manner, and one that though is physically affecting, the environment is immaterial in nature, immaterial to her, the woman, so far. This was not only outside of her vision, but altogether outside her box of stored memories. But in a few moments, it will enter her vision, and will get tucked into her box of memories though a memory that will never be remembered, for it will not see another time to uncurl. And is a memory anything at all, if it never uncurls? Is it ever part of one? The woman wonders none of this. And the light fades... The sun shrugging off its daytime duties, like a Gen X teenager in the 90s with a cardigan who could care less about almost anything, and that is why they are all so slouching so much. Like they could care less about being 50. Unfortunately, that Faustian deal will never come to bear. And the night takes full advantage of the sun's shrug, quietly and with vivid pinks and melting purples, stretches out into and then overtakes said day. The day, brought to you by life. Life, the one who doesn't care about you at all, but simply is. And as the financial markets close with the laptops that they are traded upon, and the streetlights blink on one at a time at first, then ten at a time, and then whole batches at a time, until lit webs of furrowed creases run around in tangled lines ensnaring the city and state and country and fully half the globe like a wild animal pitching and yawing in a vain attempt to break free. The human lights on the terra firma match one to one with the holy writ lights of the ether while the somnolence of those closing their computers finds a counterbalance in the alertness of those opening them. On the other side of the world, coffee's in hand, the global market sliding around the sphere diurnally. And a man crosses that field of swaying feather pink pompous grass, legs itching, then crosses a poorly maintained dirt maintenance road that no one has driven down in some time, and, hence now, never will again feet slipping a bit, a stochastic lumber ignorant of intention, almost quite literally a drunkard's walk. And he crosses the road, only to find yet another field of swaying feather pink pompous grass, which would be to his dismay, if he stopped and thought about it, but instead his mind is otherwise occupied, 
This pompous grass subscribing narcotically soft arcs in the wind, and he moves even faster through this field, and the dense tussocks of arching green leaves which chafe his bare legs, irritating his skin to the point of discomfort, which he embraces, and almost gathers together like a great unruly quilt, tucking it into these little circular interior dialogues he is having where he functionally plays the part of the hero, the calm, gentle-born hero, nodding as the day wanes and the dark waxes, and something pulls at one corner because he understands somewhere deep that he is not the hero in any sense of the word, though it's not anything he would say, or maybe even could say, and in fact, might as well just outright deny that he wasn't the hero, with every verbal power and curse word he had inside of him, because if you admit it to others, as opposed to just yourself, then you know that they know, and that you know that they know that you know, and on and on and on. And that kind of concurrence makes it a die-in-the-wool fact. Something maybe neither observer-dependent nor independent, but maybe objective in some way nonetheless. And it's almost like he doesn't know or care, or maybe it's just that he is ignoring it. The end. He has no real idea. In fact, he only knows what happened earlier and that he is fucking enraged, blinded. And the sharp evening chill makes no dent. This bleak view is brought to you by the tyranny of numbers. Nay, the tyranny of information. Nay, the tyranny of data. When you just can't take it anymore because you are, in fact, unmoored with the illusion of clarity and certainty and truth and the construction of reality at the highest levels around you are indifferent to the facts and you feel like collapsing in on yourself like a dying star in the night sky above who was always there but because the sun has only just set is now being revealed and it is spectacular. We are here, the tyranny of data. To overwhelm, engulf, and subsume the tyranny of data. It makes no sense, and in a few minutes will not exist. And by the fact that you are alive, the makers of extraordinary pain and astonishing pleasure. Get them today before you run out of time, which we all will, and quickly. The last sponsorship was brought to you by Sponsorships, paving the way for everything in life that you enjoy, including whatever you are thinking of right now. For it has been underwritten, whether you know it or not. But especially if and when you don't. And that's how they get you. How we get you. Seriously. Sponsorships. We are what you think you need. And even what you never knew you needed all along. And especially in these times. We tell ourselves stories in order to live. In order to cooperate in order to understand and hold hands and animate and overlap. Religion, politics, gold, money, marketing, money marketing, Gucci bags, oversized Tweety Bird sweatshirts, sagging pants, skinny jeans, and drop crotch pants, the Rachel haircut, the housing market, fidget spinners, beanie babies, and beanie boos, 
Occupy Wall Street and almost everything else that you know in the way you know it. Concentric spheres of brains overlapping. And the sun never sets, actually. Collective currencies waxing with notes of Roman empires. Two computers open somewhere in opposite corners of the world. Link and red Bitcoin mining algorithms together. Two of thousands. Talking in common code parlance. Exerting a computational force of attraction. Tugging between transactions. Slowly climbing toward a binary consensus of true information. While one human on one side of the screen scrolls endlessly through Facebook, looking at posted political takes which only confirm their own views, while alternatively clicking over and through Wikipedia pages in ever-expanding waves revolving around Zizek and Chomsky and general leftist philosophy, then meandering into denim-jacket-wearing Cabbage Patch Kids somehow, and without even very many clicks. And on the other side of the screen, another human, with watering can and spray bottle and soft cloth in hand, vigilantly waters, attentively caresses and gently wipes dust off their many plants, as if the two types of sentiences that they enjoy, them and their plants, are the same. Naked and unashamed, an almost unnoticed totally. And the woman stands, intentionally standing, in hemmed and hawed and almost literally pulsating feather pink pompous grass, each crescent slicing through its own thick glob of breeze. A breeze that horribates the woman's skin, hairs on end, antennas stretched out to the world, each one bobbing like the grass, but ever so slightly. And a tear wells up, then rolls out, and maybe it's from the cold breeze, or that she hasn't blinked, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it's because she's overwhelmed with emotions, but maybe it's not, but she will never know. Her horror-plated skin sends encrypted signals of the shrouded outside world directly to her inside world. Signals only she can parse, and only existing temporarily, and for only minutes more. She is not going to move, no matter what, till the bitter end, she tells herself. And it's hard to resolve the real from the conjoined and shifted and invented memories as she thinks back through her reasons for coming to this field in the first place. Because it all seems so concrete, the memories. They always do. But she knows that most memories are false, to some degree. She knows, or she thinks, she guesses. She heard that in the class, maybe. Or read it online or something. And but maybe, this is why a tear falls. She doesn't know. The air is colder now than when she first walked out into this very specific field. And she has no wrap or hoodie or even scarf. But she guesses that was maybe purposeful in some sense. Why suffocate your feelings at a time like this? 
if anything, fuel everything. Especially the dense tussocks of arching green leaves that stroke her bare legs. Because she dressed in a dress for this when she almost never does. And she is for sure cold. This she knows. And from the outside of and to the inside of her periphery, an object cometh. This message brought to you by High-Waisted Pants. They're sexy again. A tree just stands, unintentionally standing, yet maybe with more intention than a compu-serving metal-clad robot stumbling around this-then-that type programs. And someone is running to the tree, in an attempt to launch up and grab the lower branch, which is like the whole tree itself, observer-independent, and lift himself up into that tree. And when at the last minute a slight muddy splotch, given the slightest of ways, and the traction having been gained over the last eight steps breaks, and the jump having been initiated in the knees falters just enough that as air is gained, the height reached only allows for fingers to glance the bottom of the branch. And having thrust the force of his body into the hurdle, and having it unexpectedly change trajectory from the willful jump-and-grab type scenario, now into the completely unwillful and fully inverted jump-and-land one, but without any foreknowledge, and so he is woefully unprepared with his body angle and leg placement and arm extension, and when the inevitable force of gravity attracts him down to the earth again, he lands akimboed, and, in a way, that looks like a whole uncooked chicken thrown out of a car window in some way, and into the mud he splats, cold and wet and embarrassed even though no one is around. This message brought to you by Premeditation. It's like meditation, but without all the new age hangups and comes before. Premeditation, when you want to start thinking about something that you need to think about it first. And by the makers of the ever-popular Thought. Thought in general, and the spin-off General Thought Specific. Got nothing but time to sit around and think as the world ends? then you already have thought. And if you have it, no one can tell you don't, even though they can't tell if you do. Thought. Use it today. And the next time in the Alone EU, Fragment 10, and Part 3 in the Saga.